five seconds. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Carolina with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it! Here's Kupak. Give Brock to Amos. He's good! He's good! He's good! He's good! Unbelievable! Unreal! Jordan back to kick. It's blocked again. Picked up. It'll be a touchdown, Carolina, for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt. Bernard fields it at the 26, heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Miami and North Carolina. Mac Brown make it 2-0. No, they're going to be one and one I like the Canes in this game. I think the Canes show that they have the athletes. They just can't make the little stupid mistakes that they made against Florida. I think they bounce back after bye week. I'm going Canes. A couple of things here. Okay. <laughs> Mac Brown has a victory last week against one of his former defensive coordinators, Will Muschamp. Yes, sir. Now yeah. this week, who we yeah. got? Another D.C. <laughs> Another D.C. Yeah. Manny Diaz. That's right. If the Tar Heels can catch their breath, after the victory they yeah. had last week, yeah. which was yeah. emotional. Max's exactly. first game. If they caught their breath, press reset, I'm going with the Tar Heels. All right. Oh, yeah. Hey. Ooh, hey. Appreciation All right. for Max. That's a, that's a really good pick. All right. 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 <laughs> I'm going Miami. Miami, by One field goal. One field goal. Okay. Good okay. stuff. I'm going to go. I, I, see, I don't know if North Carolina, with the, the young team that they have, if they're going to be able to handle that prosperity. Mm -hmm. I'm betting on Miami. To get it done, Jaron Williams, big day today throwing the football. All right, all right, all right. Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata here with you guys as always. Josh Marlowe joining us as he'll be doing throughout the season. And we're coming off a win against Miami, a historic comeback win again for the Tar Heels. And now... Uh, unbelievably, given a 9% chance before the season by uh, the ESPN Power Index or whatever the hell, uh, well, maybe FPI, I don't know, one of the one of the ones. Um, given a 9% chance to start 2-0, this team is now amazingly 2-0. Great start for the Tar Heels uh, on Saturday night. Came out 17 points in the first quarter. Exited the quarter with a 17-3 lead, but from there... Little bit of a bumpy road. Tar Heels trailed in the fourth quarter, 25 to 20, and then of course Sam Howell able to lead the Tar Heels down the field. A huge conversion on fourth and 17 with the completion to Rontavis Groves moves the chains, and the Tar Heels were able to drive the ball down the field. Eventually, put it in the end zone. A great pass from Howell to Daz Newsom, and that was the difference in the game. The Tar Heels held on to win 28 to 25 to get to 2 and 0 on the season in front of a historic crowd inside of Keenan Stadium and I guess that's where we want to start you know we were there 
Uh, we've been to a, a fair amount of games over the last few seasons. We're not season ticket holders, but we try to go to at least two upwards of three games a season. This year, season tickets, a little bit different, but man, that was easily the best environment that I've seen in Keenan Stadium in a long time, and it started from the beginning. Uh, you know, we're known for having a late-arriving crowd. That was definitely not the case on Saturday night. Yeah, no, we, we can't talk about this game and not mention the effect the crowd had. They were there early. We got into the stadium to our seats about 7.25, 7.30. And we were one of the later ones yeah. arriving. Um, place was pretty much as full, I mean, as, full as, as it's been for actual games in our time going to Tar Heel football games. And we, you know, the fan base was loud from word go. You know, it helps you get up 17-3. to three. You got the big pass play, really got the crowd in it. But even once Miami started working themselves back into the game and kind of controlling the game, fan base was still in it on third downs. We were we were loud. Um, and and they, they, they played a part in why Carolina won the ball game. Um, Mac Brown said it after the game. Best atmosphere he's ever coached in since he's while he's been at Carolina both ten years. I'd say in something considering he did coach against a Florida State in '97, two top five teams, and he said this atmosphere was better. So it's a really good start as we trying to as the fan base is trying to change the culture and the notion around us as fans of Carolina football. For the game itself, uh. We're two games in, and I'm already, con- you know, I don't know what to say about Sam Howell after two games because this kid. Well, right. I mean, it's just. Let's discuss him a little bit more because, you know, the statistics are, are there to tell you how good of a start he has gotten off to in his career. 519 passing yards in his first two games. Uh, that's the most by any Tar Heel quarterback besides Brent Renner, who had 533 back in 2013, which, I, by the way, that number definitely seems a little low, right? You would think that, you know, the Tar Heels would have had someone in the in the more modern era surpass that, but still, um, 519. More importantly, he's got a 4 to zero touchdown interception ratio hadn't turned the football over and um you know I, I asked you this last night when we were in the stadium and i i, I want to hear your opinion on this maybe a little more in depth when we're not you know trying to watch a game is this kid the is, is it too early to say he's the best thrower of the deep ball that we've seen at carolina because once again last night every deep pass was on target the one to De'Ami Brown, perfect. Threw one early in the game to Antone Green that was right on the money. And there was even one that I pointed out to you later in the game that he threw to Carl Tucker in the end zone. Wasn't caught, but was literally in the perfect spot. Either Carl Tucker was going to catch it or it was going out of bounds. There were two defenders in the area, and still Howell put it right in that perfect spot. Is it too early to say that this this kid's the best deep ball thrower? I mean, I'd say it's too early because we're two games in, and I think we forget in 2016 before Matt Collins got hurt, Mitch Trubisky had a deep ball and could, right, could, could right. throw it. Um, once Matt Collins got hurt, his success throwing deep wasn't as, uh, as common, but... Let's, let's, let's be adults when I make this statement. 
Howell's ball placement. Uh, okay. Uh, through two weeks has been phenomenal when throwing the ball deep. Oh yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I, his his deep ball accuracy is is he's is putting amazing. it where either it's going to be caught or it's going to be incomplete. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been maybe but one or two times where the defender had a legitimate chance to make a play on the ball. Exactly. And for and that's going to happen 18, from time to time with a true freshman. Yeah. It happens. For a guy that's 18 and you've played two power five opponents that have got athletes on the defensive side of the ball, and he's doing that, that's promising. Um, and last night he just I, – I looked at you when we walked out there with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I was like, he did it last week, you know. Can he do it again? And there's there was all there was confidence. I thought you could feel in the stadium that he could probably lead us down and go score a touchdown. Right. And that's what he did. Um, the fourth and seventeen throw. After you know he had to evade some rush and then still made a really good throw. Shades of Trubisky against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um. Just very I mean, similar. Just 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 a big time play. This this kid, he's got it. Whatever it is, he's got it. Uh, stones, you know, stones. The, the, he's, he's got them. Yeah, the, the moxie he shows in the in the in the pocket is just right. unbelievable. The, the confidence for this this young man as a true freshman playing in uh, and now through just two games of his college career is just amazing. Um, you know, I mean that that was something we we haven't really seen a, a confident Tar Heel quarterback. Outside of Mitch Trubisky, I, I think there were times where Marquise Williams was was confident, but he didn't carry that attitude about him. Whereas Sam Howell, you have the feel that when he comes out onto the field, okay, if there's anybody that can lead us down to score a touchdown here, it's 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 Sam. Um, and I, I'm telling you, at this point, you know, there's just so many different things. You know, we talked about the deep ball accuracy, uh, the pocket awareness. There were a couple of plays last night, guys coming off the edge. You are not supposed to be able to sense that as a true freshman, able to step up, make the throws. He had one in the fourth quarter, able to step up and make a throw to Toe Groves in coverage. No idea how he was able to get that ball in there. Um, I, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. There's, there's so many different things about him. Um, you know, we, one of the things we were asking him, not only on this podcast, but really everybody was asking him during the week, you have to learn how to slide. Did that during the game. Actually did a great job sliding the first time that he was out on the run, drew a targeting, got a player ejected. I mean, look, this, this kid's, this kid's checking all the boxes right now. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to get. You know, you 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 want to keep the excitement in a little bit because you have to tell yourself, okay, you know, he's gotta he's gotta keep improving on certain things. But right now, I mean, it's it's hard not to be excited about what this kid is bringing to Tar Heel football at the most important position on the field. I mean, it's it's just it's nuts. It's nuts. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I wanted to talk about that really quickly. You mentioned the fourth and 17 play and you were talking about this. The biggest moment of the game may have actually been when they had to review to what what did they review? On they reviewed play? just to make sure that the, he fumbled or didn't fumble. We didn't really understand what was reviewed. It was just something was being reviewed. And we sent out the punt team while the review was right, happening. Right, right. Um, After we had called our final timeout, yeah. too. So there was no timeout left. And it was with, I think it was like 2.54 left two, or two, so. Yeah, 2.55, uh, I think, was on the clock. And, you know, you're putting the football away, and you, 
you've got to get a stop with no timeouts. And if we're being frank, we hadn't stopped their run game since the first quarter. The chances of right. Carolina stopping, A, stopping them slim and none, and then B, <laughs> getting the ball back and scoring slim and none. Max said post game, Phil Longo convinced him during the review to go for it. And the decision paid off. Really good play call to just kind of clear some space, get a guy singled out there in coverage. Miami just forgot about him, maybe because it was he threw to Toe Groves, and, you know, yeah. and and maybe forget about Toe. And it, it worked out for us. Really impressed with the throw Sam made because he had, wasn't like his feet were set or anything. He was kind of you know on the run, kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. And we've seen him so far early in his career not be the best in those kind of situations, which is understandable. But he was tough enough to make a play. And then Carolina, you know, once you convert that, you could you could just feel it in the stadium. Because then you got back on track. You got a big run. Now you're at the 30, and this offense was back in rhythm. Well, one of the guys that really showed up the entire night, even though the offense was a little bit slow in the from the second quarter on, was Javante Williams. I mean, this kid again, ten carries, seventy-six yards, a touchdown. Um, you know, if you if you want to see what type of runner this guy is, literally just put on the highlight of his touchdown run. That'll show you right there. Um, you know, we we said it in the stadium. This kid has got to be your number one running back, right? I mean, no offense to Michael Carter. Javante Williams runs with a different type of edge that we really haven't seen at Carolina since Ryan Houston. Um, and and this kid. I mean, not only does he he run hard, he mixes it with some great speed. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He does a great job in pass protection. This seems like the ultimate all-around guy, and he's probably Carolina's best chance of getting a thousand-yard rusher over the next couple of seasons. Yeah, no, this this is this is Carolina's running back. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with the committee. Um, you know, because they're all three talented. Keep them fresh, yeah, yeah. It makes sense, but. When it's when it's winning time, uh, right. and, or, or you know we're we're trying to pound the, the the rock. That's the kid I'm pounding with. He's he's a grown ass man. I'm just gonna be brutally <laughs> honest. Yeah, he runs hard. Yes. Um, and it's and the you know he he doesn't go down at, at first contact. Mm-hmm. We raved about Elijah Hood when he was here. You know the guy that he just wouldn't. 2015 Elijah yeah. Hood. 2016. And Javante Williams is showing glimpses of that. The touchdown run he had in the first quarter, I don't even. I'm st- I just watched it a couple minutes ago. Don't know how he got out of that, but he's just he's and a brick. walked into the end zone standing up. Yeah, like, um, that's crazy. His toughness. He the thing I like about him is he initiates contact. He invites it because he's tougher than the guy that's trying right. to bring him down, and it's just a beautiful thing to watch. Um, so yeah. He's he's got to be your number one guy running forward. I'm still okay with Carter getting touches. Mm-hmm. I'm of okay course, with of Antonio course. There's, Williams there's getting a, touches. You're right, but you there's know. a there's a place for both of them. I I honestly, and I had said this last year. I want to see more two back backfields because um, I think my, p- putting Michael Carter and Javante Williams in the backfield is going to be trouble for any defense trying to figure out how to stop both of those guys. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, you can't, can't say anything bad about Michael Carter. I mean, yeah, 11 carries, 30 yards. The offensive line was, was, I think, outmatched for most of the game. Uh, I, I got to hand it to Miami's defensive line. Again, the unit that I think had the most question marks on that defense coming in. And, uh, man, they stepped up when they needed to. I, I thought, you know, Howell did a really good job against a, uh, a pretty solid Miami secondary. Now, it helped that we got Amari Carter out of the game early, but I'm still Still, really a, a good unit, and Howell really took advantage of that. Um, you know, uh, at Toe Groves, man, he, he really stepped up last night. I mean, this is the guy that right now, you know, everybody, again, talking about Daz Newsome. We were talking about Deami Brown in the offseason. We thought Toe Groves would have a chance to make an impact in this offense. He really had a pretty good impact last night. And you can start to see that th- that this guy is going to be a factor this year for the Tar Heels. Yeah, um, really love the fact that, A, he's just healthy. And right. we're finally getting to see him make the plays that he hasn't been able to make because of his health. And you're right. We talked about a lot of it in the in the offseason, in the preseason. He could be a guy that could flourish in the Phil Longo fine grass theory of a wide receiver route running. And that's what he's doing. Um, and he's still, you know, he's still dynamic enough when he gets to football to make a guy or two miss and make big plays. Saw that on the fourth down play uh, and some other instances last night. Um, I mean, three catches, 41 yards. I mean, that's seven. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, on four that, targets, on only four targets. I'm, I'm, so, yeah, he did what he had to do. That's pretty good production. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this wide receiving crew is is growing. There's a lot of depth there. So, mm-hmm. you know, the balls. And the one thing I like about from, you know, what we've seen so far from two games, uh, Howell, to be a young guy, hasn't locked in on one guy on third downs or in certain situations. The ball's getting right. spread around. Well, I think he also does have his guy that he likes to go to. It's it's feeling like Deami Brown's that guy, um, which is which is great because we we think Deami has all the tools. We saw the long touchdown early in the game, sixty-two yarder, I believe. Yes, um, and and that just shows just how how versatile he is as a wide receiver. But like you said. You know, Toe Grove stepping up is huge because you see the injury early in the game to Antone Green, who, you know, again, we, we don't have any information on that. Um, no, none of the guys that were injured, and we'll talk about a couple of the other guys later on. But, you know, I, I to see, you know, in, in prior years, an injury like that would have been trouble for the Tar Heels in the wide receiving core. But they've really built – some experience depth. Bo Corrales had a had a good game last night. Um, you know, you look at uh, at a guy like Toe Groves, and there's a few other guys that are coming up behind him that can help us out if needed too. So, yeah, no, you, you got to really hand it to Carolina there. Um, one of the other areas that I thought Carolina was fantastic at the other night, we asked them to clean it up. They cleaned up the penalties. One penalty for five yards, the least that they've had in a game since 2008. So. You know, look, I mean, there's certain, a lot of stuff, you know, is getting fixed with Carolina. But there are two areas that were still a little concerning. Defensively, let, let's kind of talk that through. 488 yards of total offense. Uh, we, plain and simple, the team was beat up in the middle of the field. Uh, all night, that seemed to be there. The, the passes in the flat were always there as well. Um, but, you know, primarily right in the middle of that defense, it was just a rough night. And, um, you know, we talked about it. 
while we were in the stadium, it, you know, we, we just kind of want to know what is going on with Miles Dorn because he is first two games of the year. I know he finished with 10 tackles last night, but he has really struggled in coverage. He was one of the Tar Heels' better coverage guys in the secondary a year ago. But, man, he, he has had a rough start to his senior season. Yeah, he, he really has. And the defense last night um, you know, gave up gave up yards. Mm-hmm. I think we're okay with giving up yards if you don't break a whole ben, lot. Ben, and, don't break. It's a good night, mindset. They didn't, break, they didn't break a whole ton. 25 points isn't ideal to win a lot of games moving forward. But right. from where this defense has been, this is progress. I think the second half, the bigger concern was the ease with which they moved down the field. Uh, it wasn't the fact that they were moving. It was just how quickly and easily they were able to move down the field. I I, I guess my problem is, is and now I'm not considering sure that Jay Bateman didn't make adjustments. I, I'm pretty sure they made adjustments at halftime. Right, right. It's just they weren't very noticeable because in the second half, they still got whatever they wanted, like you said, the middle of the field. And even the yeah. flats late in the fourth quarter, we were just yes. completely abandoned. Yep. And that's something that we've gotten tired of seeing under the Larry Fedora tenure was just the lack of adjustments and taking away things. And, and you know, there were still plenty of times last night where Bateman had these guys in position to make plays. And there were some sometimes we just didn't make the plays. So And that's it, the key. That's the thing to look at with this defense. If you're trying to say, well, are they going to get back to what they were defensively the last few seasons? There were a lot of times where the guys were in position. They were where they needed to be. They just weren't executing. So I think that's a very good point because that's something that a lot of people want are, are probably thinking today, sitting at home. You know, are we going to get back to being that same team? But I, I, you're, you're right. Jay Bateman had the guys, especially in the first half, had them in the right position, but there were just times where they weren't making the tackle that was necessary. They weren't able to make that, you know, the play in coverage that was necessary at the time. But, I mean, look, there's still some positives to take away. Your defense had four sacks. Three of them by one man, Timon Fox, who had a fantastic night. And again, we saw it, you know, in the fourth quarter, I thought it started to ramp up. They started getting some pressure on the quarterback. Again, Aaron Crawford had another really good game. Jason Strobridge was making some plays. So, I mean, look, there's still a lot of positives with this defense. The yards are definitely a little concerning, but it's like you said. As long as you have that bend-don't-break mindset that we had back in 2015 – if you can execute it that way, then it's going to work. I also wonder with the use of the tempo that we saw last night. You know, that was something we didn't see in the first game. You know, we, we were wondering how that would counteract with Jay Bateman's defense. Maybe that was part of the reason why the Toriels struggled a little bit defensively. A little more defensively than they did in the first game. Well, and also... Um... We can't go a podcast without talking about what happened up front. Yeah, yeah, the, yep. the the defensive line wasn't as disruptive in this game for sixty minutes as it were against South Carolina. Um, credit now, some that you've got to credit Miami to to some degree, right? And I think the the one of the other reasons Carolina. A lot of people are probably sitting at home if you're if you know if you have someone like my dad who is like you know his his solution to everything defensively is let's blitz let's blitz <laughs> let's blitz let's blitz. 
uh, there was no way that we were putting our corners and safeties one-on-one with these guys uh, any more than we had to last night. Uh, if you send blitzes and it didn't get home, Miami was completing a big play. That was usually how it worked. So that was the reason I don't think they were able to get as much pressure where the corners against South Carolina were just so good in coverage. South Carolina was, you know, couldn't, their receivers couldn't create separation to where, yeah, once you, you know, you had the ability to start blitzing a little more in the second half. Last night was the other way around. They blitzed a little bit more in the first half. And in the second half, Jay Bateman knew, okay, if I blitz, I'm putting these guys in bad situations. Yeah, and you're exactly right. Maybe that's why we saw less less blitzing. But I just thought from the second and third quarter, on both sides of the ball, Carolina lost the battle up front. That's the way it felt in the stadium. Um, I'm, I may I may take some time before I write the trench report to go back and see the camera angle just to see what was exactly going on. But that's what it felt like. Um, but you know, look, this defense we we understand they're going to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we knew this coming in. Um, that this kind of these kind of performances we even preached on here after last week, the defense isn't fixed. Right, There's right. There's going to be right. problems. Last week they forced turnovers. This week did we force any turnovers this week? We did not. Um, so if you're going to bend, don't break. You, you'd be help if you would get a turnover or two every game to kind of help that. So, but overall, I mean, I, I thought in the fourth quarter, this this was the fresher team. Again, uh, again, I no, I think you are right about that. I, I thought on both sides of the ball, fresher team. Yeah, because, because you saw Miami, a lot of guys going down. What was it? Four consecutive plays, they had a guy down with a cramp. So, you know, which is very encouraging because the last couple of years in the fourth quarter, not you, even close. You, you, to can, the you can blame more conditioning for team. some losses because once you're tired, you you. Everything else just breaks down. Right. Whereas you're not as tired, you're still going to be smarter, make the make the right plays, and we've seen that through two weeks where Carolina, who hasn't probably been deeper than South Carolina or Miami, is fresher and is paying off. Uh, I, one of the other things I wanted to point out now: Carolina offensively not great on third downs, two of ten, but Miami three of eleven. So we asked this team before the season. Please get off the field on third down because you didn't do it a year ago. So far, the first two games, pretty positive results. Again, last night, they had those moments where they were allowing a lot of those bigger plays. Most of them came on first and second down. When they got into third down situations, I don't know if it was because of the environment. Maybe that helped. But they did a really good job on third down of making sure they got off the field. Yeah, then they've done that both weeks where their third down defense has been really, really good. Hopefully this continues. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good recipe to, to winning football game, good defensive team on third down. Um, you know, that now look, we gave up 100, 179 on the ground. Which is, it, uh, we, in past years, <laughs> that would have been, we'll take that all day. Yeah. We'll bring that uh, on. And, and then you gave up 309 passing, and a lot of it was just short intermediate throws where, you know. Right, which we stuff. talked about that, previewing it. That was what Miami was going to want to do. That was how Williams was going to be successful. And again, you know, I mean, if you can't tell it after after last night, I mean, Jaron Williams is their guy. Yeah, they I mean, got something. I, I, can only, I can only wonder if Danny Nos blasted him again so he didn't play good enough for oh. them to win. Oh, Because um, I left the game kind of thinking <laughs> they've got a they've got a young quarterback that, you know, you're yeah. going to build and grow around. 
Um, and it'll, it'll be fun to watch kind of him and Howell. They'll grow before both of our, their fan base's eyes. Yeah, I'm with you. That kid, that kid's good. Right, he right. He hung in there against a Miami or a Florida team two weeks ago that sacked him ten times, had him in a position to win the game. And he hung in there last night in a pretty raucous environment and had Miami in a position to win a ball game. Right, so and there were, I mean, that's kind of a freshman. There, there a chance. Here was the thing: there was a lot of pressure on him last night, but there were a lot of, as Ron Rivera would say, for our Panther fans, missed opportunities for our defensive linemen to bring him down in the backfield. Uh, the other thing that we that that I wanted to talk about were the Tar Heels. You know, a lot of fans were pointing it out. the uh, The game management is still a little bit of an issue. You know, we were asking with the timeout situations, uh, take the timeout um, on what, what was going to be a delay a game, took a timeout to punt, didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, that was the second time. What was the first timeout that I, I'm, I'm blanking on why they took that timeout. And it was another one where it was just an absolute head scratcher that made I think it was a personnel no change on the field. They were just- Oh no, that was the first one. Okay, the the punt was the first one. The second one was they were in five wide and at the last second they decide we're going to get out of five wide. We're going to try to bring a running back in. So they tried to run Michael Carter onto the field with about 7 seconds on the play clock. Uh so there was no way they were going to get set in time there called the timeout. And then you call the timeout with uh, with the review upcoming. Wonder if they actually knew that that review was upcoming or not. Didn't get the timeout back, and you were calling another timeout to punt. That was what you were honestly doing. So, man, yeah, just, just some confusing game management situations there uh, from the Toriel staff. But I, I don't know, like, you know, there were some confusing moments with the staff last night. Is it bad that I'm really not that concerned with them? I still feel like I trust Mac Brown to get the job done a little bit more than I trusted Larry Fedora with some of the questionable game management calls. Yeah, this is a staff that's still learning how to how to work together. And whereas in the years past, you still, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you had continuity and this issue plagued you week in, week out. These guys are still learning how to coach with each other, feel, feel each other out, how to communicate. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the, if we're still doing this in October, November. We fully trust Mac Brown will eliminate all this. Um, right. I think it's good, though, that these coaches are screwing up because it makes it a lot easier for Mac Brown, even when you're winning, to still go say, hey, you about screwed it up for for these guys that worked their tails off to give us in a position to win the ball game. So right. it's, it's with him being the CEO or this kind of – this is where him being a CEO-type coach really helps out because he can look at all these things and, and make these coaches better. Yeah, and I think it's also, you know, strangely it's also good because you can show your players, look, even our coaches are making mistakes. Everybody's human. We're going to all make mistakes. It's just about having that short memory and going back out and making the next play. So um, – yeah, what what an exciting game! Um, you know, this is one that I think for us will probably live up there with one of the best games that we've seen. I don't think it quite has the same effect as that Pittsburgh game because you know, down thirteen with five minutes to go, put together two legendary drives. This one was one, but it's definitely up there, especially with a true freshman at quarterback. It is definitely up there. Um, so. 
one of the other areas I know everybody's going to try, you know, that they're, they're kind of wondering about, try to find out some information about, are the injuries. Mac did not release anything after the game on Saturday night. Said he didn't know the statuses of any of the three major guys that were injured. Didn't hear anything on Sunday. I would say if the best chance is probably going to be tomorrow's press conference. Maybe he gets something out to us. Um, you know, just looking at the guys, Nick Polino, the center, helped off. Uh, did what was not under his own power. We did not see him return. Looks like more than likely a leg injury. Um, we hope for the best for him. You know, you talked. We 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 talked about it in the stands with a couple of fans as well. Brian Anderson came in, played really well in that first game. Didn't play as well last night, but still played pretty well. Think he's going to be okay if they need him in there. But you never love to lose a guy of, of you know, Polino's uh, size and experience on the inside. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, Anton Green goes down with another injury. Really hoping for the best for that young man who fought back from such a brutal injury last year against Syracuse to win the starting job. Came out, caught a 39-yard pass last night as well. Um, not sure what the injury was to him. Uh, it looked like he walked off under his own power, but it could have been a back injury or um, a, a, a concussion. Not really sure there. Um, and then uh, also we had Patrice Rene go down with an injury. He left with what looked like a leg injury, um, and we haven't heard anything from him on his front either. Um, he left and did not re-enter the game. Greg Ross was in there for the rest of the game, somewhere around the middle of the third quarter on. Um, and to me, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, focus too much on these injuries, but I think the, the more concerning one is definitely Renee in a secondary that is pretty, pretty thin right now. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. Hopefully he's able to play next week, um, actually later on this week, against Wake Forest, which should be uh, it should be a fantastic matchup. Two teams that come in 2-0. and um, I mean, you take it for what, you, what it is, two uh, very different styles of wins. I think, uh, you know, people are going to look at Wake Forest and say, well, okay, who have they really beaten? Utah State was a pretty good team. Rice is a team that's better than a lot of people expected. So it should be a really good game in Winston-Salem. Uh, we will, we'll, you know, I'll be watching the game. We don't know about you. You might have to do some high school football stuff. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I will not be going out on the road scouting for this next week. We will make sure that we are in place to uh, watch everything that is going on. So anything else that uh, you want to get out there about? that Miami game man uh, I know just so much emotion again last night in that stadium uh, and I, I am truly convinced that each win they are the, the Tar Heels are trying to get us a little closer to death yeah I mean the biggest thing I take away from Carolina's one year state Mac is back part two <laughs> um, he's officially back in Chapel Hill with a home win against Miami Carolina's matched their win total from a year ago two weeks into the year uh, they're one and zero in the coastal. Kind of made a statement last night that they're here to compete. Right. Um, Let's talk about that really quickly. That, that was one of the things that I was thinking about, and I wrote it in the recap article. Is I mean, Carolina right now they're they're in a pretty good position to compete in the ACC coastal. No, because the coastal favorite you get at home. I know that you do have to go to Virginia Tech. And is Pitts is Pittsburgh the other team that's really the most competitive for for the ACC Coastal? I mean, I think it feels like that just because they made it last year. 
And I, I mean, you know, you, you know, they're going to be able to run the ball. There's a couple things that we know about Pittsburgh. Their offense is still a question mark. Those two games are on the road, but I feel like both Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh do have a lot of question marks. I mean, Carolina, w- with this win, they, they set themselves up to have a real shot to compete in the Coastal. I'm not going to say they're going to win it because Virginia has looked pretty good the first two weeks. But they got a shot now. Yeah, I mean, the, the, they're going to compete for it. The, right. This isn't going to be a team that's going to roll over because, um, like you said, you get you get UVA at home. Um, you get you get Duke at home. You just beat one of the teams yeah, you, that a lot of people you, think is going to be in competition. Right. Um, Virginia Tech hasn't looked very good through two weeks, right. so that's a takeaway. Also, uh, a, a takeaway that isn't you know people are already thinking about. You're already a third away to a bowl a bowl appearance, um, and if you manage to schedule right, you win the games you're supposed to win. Which if you know you should beat App State and Mercer at home, that gets you to four. You find a way to win two other games the rest of the way. You're you're back in postseason play, which is big for this program moving forward, getting some confidence. Playing in bowl games uh, does appeal to recruits, depending on what kind of bowl game you're in. Um, so that's something you got to look at. And just, I mean, I don't know. There's, I left the last night, and you can tell there's pride back in this program. These these players are, are playing, you know, we say in a basketball the name on their jersey. These guys are playing for North Carolina as much as they're playing for themselves. Right. And that's a lot of credit to Mac Brown and the staff is just having a lot of pride in who you are and what you represent. And, they, and, and they've done a pretty good job for two weeks. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right about that. You can tell that the camaraderie with uh, these guys is a little bit different. You can tell the energy is back on the sideline. I mean, we saw it multiple times last night on third down. I mean, the whole bench trying to get fans pumped up. In recent years, it was literally two or three guys that would stand on the bench. The rest of the players would stand on the sideline or be sitting on the bench. Totally different environment. The fan base is ready to go. That The student section getting into it, it's amazing. I, I think it's good. You know, this is the time that you want to be a Carolina football fan because it's going to be an exciting time with Mac Brown here. And guess what? We thought we might have to wait to year two to start getting some of these really exciting moments. Nope. Nope. Max said, no, we're going to make this happen right now. So yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's a great start to the season two and O um, you know, Carolina is, is, is feeling it right now. And look, there's, there's a real chance that if they play the way that they've played these first two weeks, this team could be four and heading into the game against Clemson. So that's an exciting, I mean, that's something that is exciting to think about. Um, and who knows? That could be a night game in Keenan Stadium against the Clemson Tigers, the defending national champion. So uh, it's setting up to be a, a, a surprisingly very exciting season in Chapel Hill. And who knows? Maybe we take a run at that ACC Coastal. We'll be here for you on the Heel Tough Log podcast throughout all of it. Also on the Heel Tough Log website um, where you guys can go and check out everything that the blog has to offer, all the great articles for you guys. We did the preview of the Miami game. The recap of the Miami game is up there right now. Again, that like next week, that'll come out a little bit earlier. Probably will actually come out on Friday night because they do play at 6 o'clock. This one, look, we made the trip all the way back from Chapel Hill last night after sitting in a parking garage for a damn hour in Chapel Hill. Can we yell about the parking uh, in Chapel Hill and how ridiculous that is? Let me tell you, folks, never park in the parking garage on Rosemary on game day. Not worth it. Set in there for an hour. 
absolutely ridiculous traffic trying to get out of there. I hand it to the fans. Look, you know, part of me was angry trying to get out, but at the same time, part of me was like, look, I'd rather have an environment for these games. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just uh, that that was a complete disaster. But um, other than that, yeah, just an all around great experience. But uh, yeah, no. So the recap uh, normally will come out the day of the game later on that day or it will come out on Sunday, usually early morning or afternoon. Today it was uh, later on this evening because it was the first NFL Sunday trying to do so do, do multiple things. So, um, you know, it took us a little bit more time to get that out. But we'll also have the stock report that comes out tomorrow on Monday. And then we'll have the trench report, which will come out on Tuesday. So uh, some great stuff for you guys each game week. Um, we love doing that. Uh, we'll be doing that throughout the season. Also, we'll have our preview podcast that we'll do. We'll do that one later this week, probably Wednesday night or Thursday. Um, and then we'll get that up uh, sometime on Friday. That'll kind of coincide with the uh, preview, the, the blog article preview. So you guys can both listen and read about what to expect from the game uh, this time. Actually, no, it'll be a little bit earlier in the week. That's right, because the game is on Friday. So that'll come out um, on Thursday for you guys. Uh, and we'll preview the game against Wake Forest, which, as we mentioned, should be a great one. So once again, want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Make sure you go online, like, and subscribe to the podcast on any of the major podcast sites. Holders. Uh, that means go on to iTunes, go on to Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, as well as Radio.com. There's just so many places that you guys can go. Make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode of the show. And also, you know, leave us a comment on there. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know the areas that we can get better because we aren't able to watch film. We want to know where we can get better. You guys are the ones that can help us. So go ahead and do that. We really appreciate any of you guys who have been listening to this podcast. For Josh, for Anthony, we will see you guys next time. And remember, as always, go to our